This was a very early church, or groups of churches. And what he was, what he was finding was that there were, there were certain people who'd been part of the church who'd kind of like developed their own interpretation of who Jesus is and what it meant to live by him, live as one of his followers. And so what he wants to do is he wants to expose the errors as well as remind those who have been faithful. This is what it means to stay faithful. And so if you just look with me at these five patterns of behavior, you can, you can follow them afterwards. But if you've got your Bible open, you'll see the first one. He says that we stay in God's light by resisting sinfulness. We see that in verse 8 of chapter 1 through to verse 2 of chapter 2. And then he'll say that, you, that we live in God's light by obeying God's commands. In verses 3 to, to, to verse 11. And so we can see, well, resisting sinfulness and obeying God's commands, well, it's kind of quite simple, isn't it? Similar, aren't they? And then he moves in verses 12 to 17 of chapter 2. That we live in God's light by defying the world and its temptations. And then in verses 18 to 27 of chapter 2, he says we live in God's light by renouncing those who denounce, distort the truth. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, we live in God's light by living like God's children. So you could see the, the ideas that he's trying to bring forth. They kind of overlap. They're, they're, they're similar. And so we're not going to look at all, all, all five of them, but we are going to pick out a couple of them, the two that, that Julie read for us this morning. That we live in God's light when we defy the world and its temptations. Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes and the pride in riches comes not from the Father but from the world. You know, it's here, isn't it, that we, that we encounter, if you like, kind of like the three great temptations in our world. If you like, all of the three great temptations, all of temptations can be summarized under these three. The desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride in riches, which goes much wider than just material wealth. You know, they were the same three that Jesus encountered in the wilderness. The same three that Adam and Eve encountered in the Garden of Eden. The same three you and I encounter, isn't it? All the time. And what we do is kind of like what Adam and Eve did and what every person who's lived apart from Jesus do is we give in. So often, don't we, to the temptation because we believe the lie that God doesn't always want the very best for us. Because that's how temptations start, don't they? For Jesus' followers, we believe the lie. It begins with doubts about God. It's how the devil works, doesn't it? Think about it in, in, in the case of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? 
Think about it with, with how he tried to tempt Jesus those three times. If you are. Basically, we swallow a lie about God before we, we swallow forbidden fruit. It's why, like I said last week, the best deterrent, the best deterrent to live in God's light, the best deterrent to overcome temptation, however we, we, we face it, is, is by coming each week, each day, and knowing this book. For a thorough knowledge of the truth, using it like a sword of the Spirit, like Jesus did, is the most effective way to overcome temptation. Whoever we are, because we know this, don't we? It doesn't matter whether it happens in private, it doesn't matter whether it happens in public, because whatever happens, whatever's going on in private, eventually comes out in public, basically. It's about that daily practice of spending some time in this book, just quietly where no one else can see you. It will enable you to live, whether it's the torch, whether it's the candle, whether it's the stage light, in our homes, in our workplaces, when we're out with friends. John says, this is the message. We heard from Jesus and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all and we live in God's light when we defy the world's the world and its allures. And then he moves into verse 3, chapter 3, to say we live in God's light when we live like God's children. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. You see, we understand who we are when we understand whose we are. That John just reminds us here that we are loved by God unconditionally. And then the call is then to be, isn't it? To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to do what Jesus did. We, we could say, couldn't we? We could give it a definition of becoming the person Jesus would become if he were you. For that's what it means, doesn't it? To be a, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus, a Christian, whatever term you choose to use. That's, if you like, the vision of our lives that John is just outlying here. To purify ourselves just as Jesus is pure. And therein lies the difficulty, doesn't it? Because as, as John will go on to talk about over the rest of those verses in chapter 3 that Julie read for us, as we heard last week, we kind of have been formed too by the world we live in and by our sin. See, everything that goes on in the world and that the world wants to form in you and me has nothing to do with the Father and his love. It just isolates it us from him. It's what the very definition of sin means, isn't it? Living our lives without reference to God. 
living lives autonomous from him. And what he does in verses 4 to 10, I don't know if you, you saw this, is he, he just repeats his argument twice. You know, we, you, can, you can see it in verse 4 if you're following it. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. And then in, in verse 8, he starts to repeat the argument again. Everyone who commits sin. But this time, the language changes, doesn't it? Did you notice that? The language gets a bit stronger, doesn't it? A bit more, puts us a bit more on edge. Makes us, however uncomfortable these, these pews are, a little bit more uncomfortable. When, basically, suddenly, sort of like, he comes round the second time, doesn't it? The words, everyone who commits sin, in verse 4, he says, is guilty of, of, of lawlessness. Well, well, that's all right. Okay, yeah, yeah, I get that. But then, second time round, he says, everyone who commits sin is a child of the devil. Oof. He's using that language because we're living then the devil's character, not Jesus' character. And then he says, this is why Jesus came. In verse 5, to take away sins, that, that, that sacrifice image that John would use at the beginning of his gospel. Remember the Lamb of God that John the Baptist saw, sort of like just by the river. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in verse 8, you get it in a much more cosmic dimension to destroy the works of the devil with that ideal conclusion being in verse 6 that no one who abides in Jesus keeps on sinning or no one born of God keeps on sinning and that's the challenge isn't it for all of us who, whoever we are isn't it that we know what we should do. But like Anakin said last week, I did what I should not do. But it just makes such a difference when we live in God's light, like his children. You know, because the world out there just loves to pick points for it, doesn't it? I got called somewhere on Friday morning for someone to tell me someone's Christian's behavior was not good. And you kind of like are just left thinking, yeah, I agree with you, but just like we all do, don't we? Doesn't matter. Someone else gets called about my behavior and says, that was not good. You know what it's like. So let me leave you with one this is what I do. This is what one practical way, if you like, that we can live out this message. And it's by thinking of verse 1 of chapter 3. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. Such a wonderful verse, isn't it? It tells us the why and the how we live in God's light. Why? Because it goes to the heart of, of our identity, who we are as people. 
And here's, here's if you like, how, how I do it. Just, just most days. I'll just remember that God loves me. Unconditionally. Doesn't matter who I am. Doesn't matter the fact that, that I wear, that wear a dog collar as someone said I had my dress on this morning. Doesn't matter who I am basically. doesn't make me any more special than you. Basically, God loves you unconditionally. Because there's nothing we can do, whoever we are, to make God love us any more. And nothing we can do to make God love us any less. That doesn't give us an excuse to not live in the light. It's just a reminder that God loves us unconditionally. And then, I receive afresh his love. I just, just open my hands to receive the Holy Spirit of his love. Just about resting in his presence. And then I pray that what I have received will then be reciprocated to others. Because that's what Jesus said, didn't he? If you, if you love me, you will, you will obey me. If you, will, if you love me, you will love one another. As David will speak on next week. This is the message, John says, that we heard from Jesus and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all.